the gospel for today is from the gospel of Mark, beginning in the fourth chapter, verses 4 through 11. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whom sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came down from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Here ends the Gospel. On his death, on his baptism, he tears open the heavens. He says, This one's mine. And on his death, he tears open the heavens and says, Not even death's going to keep us apart. And eventually there would be a resurrection. But that's the bookends. If you think about the, the seasons of the church here, there's two green season, Epiphany, and there's a green season called um, uh, Pentecost, the long Pentecost season. Both of those seasons start with white bookends. Today, we start off Epiphany with the baptism of our Lord. It's a white day. And it ends with the transfiguration. That's a white day. On both of those days, God says, this is mine. And so there's the kind of... The, kind of connected but then the second with the church work you right after pentecost we have um, holy trinity sunday and ends with christ the king sunday white and white gold days and so in our green seasons of celebration and work god begins with statements of who he is and whose we are and they're powerful white bookends for that just as a thought if you think about the significance of church years and how it rolls into our lives as a liturgical church you are part of a liturgical church. You are following an ancient line of remembering God's history every Sunday for a whole year, and you go through that whole cycle every year, and then we repeat it. We don't get tired of it. We don't have to be creative. Remember the same story every year until we get to meet him face to face. That's what the people of God did before the time of Jesus. They remembered God's stories, and that's what they've been doing ever since. Right? Importance to what we do as a liturgical people. But in the beginning of service, I said for us to think about family reunion, that idea of a family reunion. Christmas happened. Boy, in this place, um, maybe Ice Storm would have detracted from it, but in this place on Christmas Eve, it was full. We had 150, I mean, we had a lot of people here on Christmas Eve. One of the gifts of Christmas, I mean, Christmas and Easter are some of my favorite services. There's, every Sunday's beautiful. I like the Bible lessons. I like the chance to worship with my friends and just remember that God loves me and celebrate my family. I like that every Sunday. But those two, those two Sundays or those two days stand out the most is because more people come home. It's nice when I get to have a meal with my wife and one of my sons. It's better if I get to have a meal with my wife and two of my sons. It's great if I get to have a meal with wife, three of my sons, my mom, my aunts, my uncles, and everybody in the same place. That's wonderful. That's the blessing of Christmas. And on Christmas, we remember that. Maybe on earth we'll be separated from a time of season, but we know that there's going to be a big family reunion to come and we celebrate its coming. 
Christmas Eve, everybody comes home. Now, sometimes coming home is not easy. Sometimes you've got to drive a ways. I remember as a kid, we would drive 1,400 miles going from southern Arizona sometimes up to Iowa. It was a 24-hour trip. They drove fast. Law enforcement guys sometimes drive faster than the law says because they got the get-out-of-jail-free badge. And so they would, they would fly. I mean, they had that uh, Chevrolet Impala zipping down the road with us laying across the back seats, getting there. We drove to get home for Christmas a couple of times. Um, sometimes there's a lot of expense. You've got to pay for airfare to get folks in. That's not cheap flying these days. Sometimes it's just a lot of effort. You know, you see troops that are coming back from the sandbox. They're flying over here. They t- it's a long flight to get from the African continents or the Asian over there and fly all the way back home. Coming home is hard. And on the home side of it, boy, you guys work hard. We work hard. And we're cleaning bathrooms. We're cleaning kitchens. We're cleaning floors. We're mopping. We're vacuuming. The, all the sheets are in the bellow. Pillows are new. I mean, we have every. Our best is laid out. We're preparing for this. And what a beautiful thing it is when finally we get to come home again. A family reunion. We call it Christ Christmas. A mat, Christ and a mass. It's all coming together in Jesus. A Christ and a mass. Sometimes there's a separation though. Separation's not, it's not pleasant. It's not easy. It's not fun. So I'm going to ask a few people to volunteer or to come along with me for a separation. I'm going to ask you, you're just going to stand right over here. And you don't even know this one's coming because the early church, I warned folks. Would you go stand up over there? Mr. Rogers, will you go stand up over there? Let me pick out some other families. Mama Ruby, will you go stand up over there? Will you go stand up over there? One of the Hall clan, you pick. There you go. Go stand up over here, up on the, on, the, on the pedestal, like on the platform behind it. One more. Let's split a husband and a wife up. Come on up, sir. Yes, come on. You're a strong man. You got this. Let's back up. Let's back up. You don't have to say anything. There's no dancing. There's no singing. No singing. I got to get this cable right over here. There's no singing. There's no performing. All you have to do is you're volunteering to be separated from your bride for about three or four hours, as long as the sermon lasts. Now, I'm going to imagine that this is your separation, and you can't cross it. It's a barrier that there is no way of of coming across. All right? They're there, and you're here. How does it feel? Kind of strange, right? Kind of sad? It's not right. In a church service on a Sunday, your families are over there and you're here. Separation. Imagine that they're not just separated now by about 20 feet. Imagine that they're separated maybe by a great distance. Maybe you don't even get to see them. And maybe the comms, the communications are down and you don't get to talk to them. Maybe, maybe you can see them like through a little glass bubble, but you can't communicate with them. Imagine that something goes on with one of them and they cry out because they're hurt. Maybe the world was just ugly to them. And you can see them over there. You know they're hurt and you know they're crying out. But you can't answer them. You can't do anything to to bring hope to them. What happens if one of them is broken? Physically broken. You can't do anything. They're separated. You can't work healing for them. 
Not even if you're a doctor right now, you're too far away. Maybe the doctor's over there and you can't, you can't do anything. Maybe the ones that they're just alone. Maybe they only had one other person left in this world because they've all gone back to their Lord already. And now that one person's over here and now they're alone. And you can't comfort them. Separation. It's ugly. It's haunting. It's haunting for them and it's haunting for us. Now it was kind of like this in Genesis. Our first lesson, it was in Genesis. Life was beautiful in the beginning, just like our service. All was beautiful. God created the heavens and the earth. He put light into dark places. He put life into desolate places. He separated water from land. He created all the boundaries. He breathed into the oceans and there was life. He breathed across the planet. The Holy Spirit moved and there was now life and it was radiant and it was beautiful. And then in his image and his likeness, he has children. He makes Adam. He makes Eve. He makes Adam and he makes a partner for Adam and he makes Eve from Adam and they're together. And now he's walking in the garden, much like I am walking in the midst of us now. There's no separation from you. I can reach over and I can put a hand on your shoulder. I can, you're hearing my voice and you don't even have to use a sound system. I am here. And it was creating, it was good. God was in their midst. They didn't have to know what God looked like. They saw him. They know what he had to hear like, listen, sound like, because he, they, they heard him. They experienced his presence fully, like experienced the sunshine. They felt the warmth of their father in that place. And it was beautiful, like Christmas. But then a separation came. A lion deceiver came and said to the woman, you're not enough. You need to be more. She believed the lie. She ate the fruit. Then she told the man, you're not enough, you need more. He ate the fruit. And now you know what the next thing happens is they hide. They separated themselves from the Lord. Their knowledge, their intelligence, all of this newfound power and authority that they had on themselves, they used it to distinguish themselves apart from God and they hid from God. They separated from God. How horrible that is thinking about a parent who has or a, a, an aunt or an uncle that has a beloved child that runs away from home. How brutal. You don't want them to run away from home. They belong in a home. Adam and Eve hid. In time, the Lord found out what was going on. And he says, now you're out. And he, there's separation. You know, one of the hardest things a parent could ever have to do is to tell one of their unruly, destructive children that they can no longer live in their house. Unless they change their ways, they cannot stay. The day they change their ways and they come home, it's a celebration. But all the while, while they're gone, it's heartache. That'd be one of the most destructive, brutal things a parent ever has to do. On that day, God says to his kids, you got to go. And they were separated. And it was not good. Heartache. The separation's not the end of the story. Separation is not the end of the story. God's love, God's power to rescue, God's power to bring his, his beloved children home, that's going to be the end of the story. Because there was a Christmas. There was a Christmas. The Son of God, in love of His Father, in love of the Spirit, in love of creation, in love of each and every one of God's beloved children, He says, Dad, I'll go. And he went. The father gave his son. They knew exactly what it was going to cost. 
At his baptism, it's into death. At his birth, it's into death. He entered our mortality. He knew it was going to cost. He knew there was going to be a separation. But he said, for them, to bring them home, Lord, I will go. Dad, I want to bring them home. Yes, they kicked him out on one day, but the whole plan was to get them home. It was never to leave them out there. Death is just a nice ending, so you can finally get to come home. It's a gate to go home. And Jesus said, Dad, I'll go get them. And so the Father sent him, and he comes to us at Christmas. And you wonder why there's so much celebration at Christmas. The, the shepherds are in the wilderness. These lowest of the low of workers out there, they're out there with the sheep. They're not the unwanted. Why is it that they heard and saw the angels? And the angels are singing. The angels are saying, here's a great story of good news for you. Because all of heaven knew that this was the day that the family reunion's coming. All of heaven celebrated. The Father in heaven, the angels in heaven. The humans have to catch up to the good news. But they delighted in that on Christmas Eve. They knew that because Jesus was born, they were going to get to come home. All of us can come home. The angels danced. What a night. Christmas. On this day, the Lord just doesn't, we just don't remember Christmas. But we remember remember actually the reunion event. The reunion event. The sun is now standing in the River Jordan. You know that used to be a boundary? It was the boundary of the promised land, right? Before the people came in, they had to cross the River Jordan. And before they could cross, the Lord sent himself, his presence in the Ark of the Covenant. As they entered the water, the waters parted. In flood season, the waters of the river parted, and they crossed. And as each tribe crossed, they carried one stone so they could separate remembrance. That on this day, they entered a promise of God, a covenant of God, and they went into this land. That's that river. There's a lot of history with parting of waters with God. Okay, think about the Old Testament Moses. God's involved with this. Well, on this day, it's not a parting of water. On this day, it's going to get muddy. It's going to get dirty. And it's going to be right in the middle of it. The Son of God is going to stand right in the middle of those waters. And he's going to declare that this boundary has gone. It's obliterated. On that day, Father tears open the heavens and he says, this is my Son. The Holy Spirit descends on him. And in one place, we get the fullness of the Holy Trinity. The first time. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together, one time, one place, one God, three persons, right there at the baptism. The world gets to see it. It's epiphany. The world sees God and all three right there. Beautiful time. He tears open the heavens. Tears. Not that he's going to put them back together and sew them together. No, it's torn. Wrecked. Never will there be a separation between him and his son ever. And because of his son, never will there be a separation between us and our heavenly father. Ever. You are baptized in the name of the father, son, and Holy Spirit. God has named you. He has claimed you. He's come across time eternity. He says you are his. Whether you're five years old or a baby, or whether you're getting, you're breathing your last, and you're rather ready, ready to go through the gate and go home. You are his. That's what we get in this baptism. The separation is over. Jesus gives us that family reunion. You are loved that much. All right, guys, let's go ahead and go back. Careful as you step over this. I don't want you tripping. So yeah, go ahead and go back to your chairs with your families. Thank you.
You know, it's kind of curious. Um, what's it like being back? Comfy. It's comfortable. What's it like being back? You don't have to stand. It gets tiring out there standing up. At the early church, I had some teenagers separated from parents. And the first thing the parents did when they went back is just hugged on their kids. <laughs> That's baptism. It's not that complicated. We try to make this stuff very complicated. It's family. Baptism, God's, you're mine. You don't do anything for it. There's a lie in this world that's been perpetuated for the last couple 500 years or so. That you have to get smart to get baptized. You have to get to the right age to get baptized. That somehow or another you have to claim Him as your Father before you're his, He's your Father. That's a lie. He was your dad before you were born. Before you breathed your first breath, He knew you. To say you have to get smart to be a child of God is insulting God because that's you are His child before you can even say He... The mom holding the baby, that's her baby before the baby can say thank you or mom. That's theirs. Baptism is all about what God has done for us, not about how smart we get to finally claim that. How insulting to a father when the child says, Dad, I finally claim you today. Are you like serious? You've been my son before you could even walk, knucklehead. But thanks for the affirmation anyway, right? On our baptisms, we affirm that it's what God has done. And on today, it's beautiful to see him come home. It feels good to be together again. The baptism of our Lord. Now as a church, it's a lesson for us. That was the mission of Jesus. That was the mission of our Father. As soon as there was separation, the mission was, how do we get them home? How do we get them home? Every one of them. Regardless of how much money they make, what gender they are, what continent they live on, I want my children home. That was the mission project. Now, humans, we like to set up all the classes and all the differences. It just erase all that. God wants his children home. Every one of us. That was the mission of Jesus on the cross. I want them all home. One house forever. So Emmanuel Lutheran Church in 2018, this was our first Sunday. Our reason and our purpose, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, that means that we have the exact same purpose and mission that Jesus had. His mission is our mission. His mission was to bring him home. His mission was to have him come home in the lives of holiness and righteousness and the fullness of life, and then from there to bring the rest home. He didn't send the 12 out to keep a secret. He sent the 12 out to bring everybody home. That is our mission as a people. We start with our friends. We start with our family members. We start with ourselves. We come home. And then we share the news. We want, God wants his kids home in this place, hearing his word, sharing a supper, sharing a life. Our reason and purpose as a church is to know who Jesus is. That's a life of holiness. And it's to make Jesus known. It's to bring all God's kids home. It's that simple. The, the thing for us is the complexity is, is there's a lot of different ways of doing that because we're all different. We all have different gifts and different skills and different musics and different stuff. There's a lot of creativity on how you go about that business, but the business is set. If we are looking for a New Year's resolution as a church or as a person, it's really simple. And it's based right off of this baptism story, how we start our first day of the year. Know who you are. 
know Jesus, and then let this good news be known. That's what we are as a people. God, help us to be his church. Amen.